Thanks for joining us for First College Ministries College Worship Gathering. We hope that what you hear will encourage you and challenge you to be more like Jesus in your everyday lives. If you're a college student in the Tuscaloosa area, please join us Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. for college worship. You can learn more about First College Ministry at firstcollegeministry.org. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's good to see you tonight. My name's Keith Pugh. I'm the associate pastor here at, at First Baptist. And just to tell you how God has a sense of humor, I know we're getting a little feedback. Uh, while we're getting feedback, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30, and I'll finish in just a minute. The 30th chapter of Proverbs is where we're going to be studying tonight. But to tell you how God has a sense of humor, just this morning, in this very room, I was introduced as the next senior adult minister at First Baptist Church. Say, well, no, 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 I don't say that for applause. I say that because God's got a sense of humor. I get to be with the senior adults this morning, then I get to talk to you tonight. Man, I, I, I don't tell anybody, I'd rather be with you guys because I still feel like I'm 18. I, I graduated from the University of Alabama 100 years ago, but I know where you where you are and how fun it is and how exciting it is. And, and I, I am thrilled that RJ would entrust you to me because I, I know how much RJ loves you. And I, I want you to know how much I respect RJ. He is a godly man. Uh, we have the opportunity to meet and share time together once a week. And he always encourages me. And uh, I just uh, appreciate him so much. He is so gifted in so many ways. And I I'm thankful again tonight for this opportunity. So we're going to take a break from Jonah, and we're going to go to Proverbs 30, but I'm going to go ahead and take a big risk. I'm going to tell you my Jonah joke, okay? If you, most of y'all don't know me, but I'm goofy. But anyway, Jonah joke, okay? There was a guy who was a Christian, and he was talking to a lost guy about the Bible, and the guy said, I don't believe the Bible. He said, really? You don't believe any? He said, no. Do you really believe that a man was swallowed by a fish? And the guy said, sure I do. As a matter of fact, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about that. And the guy says, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And he said, then you ask him. Okay. All right. That's my Jonah joke. All right. All right. Okay. In uh, Proverbs chapter 30, we're going to talk about looking up. Okay. John Calvin wrote this. Nearly all wisdom consist in two parts, our knowledge of God and our knowledge of ourselves. Each of us must be stunned by the consequences of our own need in order to look up to God. The knowledge of our own needs not only arouses us to seek God, but also, as it were, leads us by the hand to find Him. So what is it that leads us by the hand to lead us to God, to enable us to find Him? It's our own needs. We are a needy people. And it's our need that leads us by the hand to find God. Now this chapter is known as Agurian Wisdom. 
we are introduced to a guy named Agur. Okay, Agur. Agur. Say that with me, Agur. No, say that louder. Because see, I wanted to say Agur, but I, I'm going to put the emphasis on the second syllable. Okay, so I'm going to do Agur. Agur. And if I get off track, you guys get me back on. It's, it's not Agur, it's Agur. Okay, Agur. Everybody okay with Agur? All right, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do Agur. So, chapter 30, we're going to read the first three verses. The words of Agur, the son of Yake, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ucal. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Agur. Agur. Who is Agur? Well, he's dead. Sorry, he's dead. Okay? Who was Agur? Well, obviously he's the son of Yake. And what do we know about Agur? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. His name means hireling or gatherer. It's a non-Hebrew name. And some have suggested that Agur was simply a pen name for Solomon. And that Solomon wrote this, but really there's no evidence for that. But what we do know, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, that no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So God honored Agur, Agur with the privilege of writing Holy Scripture. He was moved by the Holy Spirit just as all the Old Testament prophets were. He comes with an oracle or a prophecy which literally means he has a burden. A burden. Very similar to what we see in the book of Nahum. Nahum chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle or burden of Nahum, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. He's writing to Ithiel and Eucal, who could be his sons or his disciples. We don't know anything about Ithiel, but we do know that Eucal later came to establish a university in Los Angeles. Oh, my bad. That's UCLA, not UCAL. Okay, I'm sorry. I transposed the letters there. You, we don't know anything about UCAL either, okay? So we don't know anything about these guys. Thank you for paying attention. All right, well, let's look first. You, uh, Agur tells us and describes for us the futility of his own wisdom. Notice what he says. I am more stupid than any man. Now, I don't know about you, we have three kids. They're all grown now. We have 12 grandchildren. That's pretty cool, right? Okay, but when we were raising our children in Jackson, Alabama, we never used the S word. <laughs> the S word in our house was stupid. We, that's just not a real good word. Uh, one day I was preaching at First Baptist Jackson, and I said in my sermon, I, used, I said something about being stupid. And our daughter at that time was like six or seven years old. And her eyes got big. I could see Katie just, and she looked at her mama and said, Mom, Dad said the S word. So we didn't talk about stupid things because it's so derogatory. But Agur says 
of himself, I am very stupid. It means brutish. And it means that I am ignorant, brutish. It refers particularly to animals, cattle. Cattle are dumb, senseless. Senseless animals who have no understanding of what's going on around them. You can lead them into a place. You can do anything you want to with them because they are stupid. They are brutish. And Agur, now remember, we're going to talk tonight about wisdom. In his wisdom, in his self-evaluation, he realized that he is a zero. He has nothing to offer. I am brutish. I am stupid. I am senseless. It's self-deprecation, and we see that often in Scripture, but that's where Agur finds himself. Asap, in Psalm 73, 21, used this word. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. So Agur begins his oracle, his burden, with this disclaimer. He says, I do not come before you in my own wisdom. I am not a wise man. I do not proclaim to be a man of superior intellect. So he declares the futility of his own wisdom. And so that leads us to verse 4. And so Agur says, I don't have wisdom, but let me tell you something else. I'm smart enough to know that you don't have it either. Look at verse 4. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Well, obviously, Agur knew enough to ask rhetorical questions. And so he asked a series of questions. Do these questions sound familiar? If you've ever read the book of, not Jonah, but the book of Job. One Sunday night, a series of Sunday nights years ago, I preached through all the J's in the Old Testament. Went with Jonah and Job and Judges and Joshua. But this is from Job, where God asks Job a series of questions. Where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I put the stars in their place? And so God had a way through these rhetorical questions of putting Job in his place. And that's what Agur is doing here. He's asking a series of rhetorical questions. He said, I don't have wisdom, but let's see how smart you are, okay? Who has ascended into heaven and descended? No man, for sure, nobody, only God. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Not me, not you. No man, only God. Who has wrapped the waters in his garments? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Only God, of course. Amen. It kind of puts us in our place sometimes, doesn't it? I've said before many times that humility simply comes from knowing who we are and knowing who God is. When we start feeling pretty good about ourselves and we've done this and we've accomplished that, you know, God has a way of putting us in our place. And humility, if we could just keep God in His proper place and us in relationship with Him, we can be, we will stay humble people. But that's what a gur is doing. Only God can do these things. Certainly not a gur and not any other man. He says, what is His name? Do you see that? In verse 4. Or His Son's name. That's an interesting question, isn't it? 
See, the son of a man is the exact representation of that man. The son of a man is the exact representation of that man. So there's no man who could have a son who could do such things. But if there was one who could have a son, that would be a special son. And that's why Jesus was called the Son of God. He is the exact representation of His Father, God the Father. Surely you know. Ithiel and Eucal did not know. The truth is, no man knows. No one can do the things. No one could answer these questions. Here I am. I can do that. I can take the wind. I can do this. See, Agur is pointing out the failure of all human wisdom. Now, he compares human wisdom to God's wisdom. Look at verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words or He will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. We see here the fullness of the Almighty's wisdom. Proverbs 9, in t- verse 10, Solomon says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Agur says it this way, that every word of God is tested. Every word of God is tested. God is the only source of infallible wisdom. His word is flawless. His word has stood the test of time. All flesh is like grass. All of its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. All the glory of the world, all the glory of the flesh, like the grass, but God's word abides forever. Notice what Agur says in verse 6, Do not add to his words. Or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Now, this is not a unique warning. This is a warning that's not unique to Agur. We find this several places in Scripture. Do not add to his words. Deuteronomy 12 32. God says, Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to nor take away from it. Revelation 22, last book in the Bible, verse 18 and 19. I testify to you, to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. So let me ask you now, why is it important for us not to add to or take away from God's word? It's complete. There's nothing that we as mere humans could add to the wisdom of God. We must see the fullness, the completeness of God's wisdom. His truth is tested, Agur says. It remains forever. We cannot add to or take away from it. His truth is enduring. See, the world today is looking for truth. They're looking for answers. And it seems to be that truth is like the wind. It just tossed here and there. It changes day to day. What was true 20 years ago may not be true today, according to the world. But according to God's Word, His truth is timeless. His Word is timeless. Most people are looking for truth, but they're looking in the wrong places. I challenge you as a student, 
while you're at the University of Alabama, become a student of God's Word. I became a, fre a Christian my freshman year here on campus at Bryant Hall, room 301. I gave my heart to Jesus. And that next week, I was invited to a Bible study with uh, another campus ministry. And I began to meet with guys on small groups. We began to memorize scripture together. And God used the five years. I crammed four years into five. God used those years to create in me a desire for His Word. To create in me a desire for ministry. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> Fifty years later, whatever. Because I wanted to seek truth as a student. I wanted to know truth. And let me just say this. There are times when God's Word creates tension in our lives. It's not, all easy, it's not all easy to understand. But let me tell you this. As you seek truth, seek the answers to prove God's Word. Don't seek answers to disprove God's Word. There are many people out there who can write things and publish things and get you so confused about what is truth. So if you're looking for the truth... At the very least, go in with an open mind. Over the years that we've been here, I've seen so many students who get tossed to and fro, who really become spiritual uh, bank, you know, bankrupt or castaways because they say they're looking for truth when really they're trying to prove an argument. But go to God's Word looking for truth. Seek His truth. So a girl's wisdom points us to the Word of God. Every word of God is tested. Do not add to His words. It's complete. I promise you, if you will seek God's words, seek God's truth honestly, openly, that you'll find His word to be complete. All that you'll ever need. His words are tested. That's a girl's wisdom. I, my favorite part of this passage over the next two verses. A girl's prayer. This is pretty cool. Verse 7, two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of the Lord. A girl's prayer. It's interesting. I, I think first of all, we have to notice the resolve of his prayer. Two things I'm going to ask God. And this is all I want for the rest of my life. Two things. What if you had that opportunity? You know, I think of Solomon. God kind of gave him a blank check. You remember what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. He asked for wisdom. So a girl asked for two things. What would you ask for if you had two things for the rest of your life? God, I'll never bother you again. Until the day I die, I want, two th I want to be healthy and I want to be happy. Um, maybe I want to have uh, my family around me all the time and, and wealth. Two things. It's interesting. What two things would you ask the Lord for? Well, we have to be impressed with the resolve of Agur's prayer. This is what I want until I die. So let's look at his request. His first request was for the Lord to keep deception and lies far from him. 
Now, if you're paying attention, you can kind of see this applies to what we talked about in the first six verses. Because see, what, what Agur is asking God is to keep him from false worship. Give me spiritual discernment. That's what he said. Give me spiritual discernment. How do we get that? Deception means vanity, which is hollow. In Hebrew, it's the word hollow or vanity, deception. It was a word used most often in relationship to false worship. It was used to describe a worthless idol. Isaiah talked about that, how they take a piece of wood and they carve it and they turn it into an idol. And they worship their own, the making of their own hands. Foolishness, vanity, deception. Agur says, keep me. Keep me from deception. Keep deception and lies far from me. Keep me from false worship, from false gods. Keep me from the vanity of pursuing gods that are empty in what they offer me. See, there were many false gods in his day. And we have many false gods in our day today. What our guru was saying was, God, I want to have my, I want my heart to remain true to you all the days of my life. Uh, maybe he had the second commandment in mind. You know, where God says you shall not make any graven images or create any type of idol that would be a substitute for me. It could have been the other commandments. The first three, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. We'll see in verse 9 the reason he asked this request. He said in verse 9, he did not want to profane the name of God. Let me encourage you as you go through your studies here at the university, as you're confronted with a lot of different uh, philosophies, a lot of different teaching. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. Would you just pray with Agur, God, keep me from deception. Keep me from lies. Keep me from false worship. You know, it's been amazing to me. This kind of been the emphasis of my quiet time this year is that I've been especially attentive to all the things in Scripture where God does things for us. Lead me not into temptation. You know, keep me from evil. All the things that God, cause me to walk in your ways. You know, it's not like we're just sitting back and let God take, you know, do everything for us. But that, in reality, that's who God is. He takes us. He keeps us. He makes us. He molds us. Lord, don't lead me into temptation. Keep deception far from me. Lord, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be faithful to you in my time and my, my prayer life and my walking with you. But God, I'm depending on you to protect me. I have a friend who struggled in some areas morally and, and basically adultery. And I pray for him every day. God, build a hedge of protection around him. Protect him. You know, guys, let me tell you about the four D's of the devil, how the devil will work in your life, men. Doubt, disappointment, despair, and the women. So be careful, okay? <laughs> be careful. So God, keep us. Keep us from the... I'm sorry, ladies, I had to say. Uh, but keep us. 
all the things that God does for us. Agur did not want to worship God in an empty way. He wants to know and worship the true God and not be deceived by the lies of men. It is vanity, it's emptiness to give to idols the worship that only God deserves and demands. Let me say that again. It is vanity, it is emptiness to give to idols the worship that only God deserves and demands. God's very serious about this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. We're not to treat His name casually, carelessly, or fail to give Him the glory that He deserves. Just this morning, I was in, a, again, another little discipleship meeting, one-on-one with a guy, and we're reading a book by John Piper, and he talks about things that we ought to be willing to step up, to defend. We, we, we don't go out looking for controversy, but any time these things are called into question, we should step up. Anytime the truth of God's Word is called into question, we should step up. We should speak out. Anytime the good of the church is at stake, the bride of Christ, we should step up. We should speak out. And the third thing he says very clearly, anytime the glory of God is at stake, we should step up. We should speak out. And that's what Agur is saying here. I don't want to do anything that would profane your name. I don't want to be deceived by the lies of men. From now until I die, Lord, don't let me do anything that would dishonor You. Keep me from vanity. Don't let me worship You deceptively. Keep me from lies. Every word of God is tested. A girl was convinced of that. Apart from God's revelation, I am ignorant and all men, we are all clueless. Don't listen to the lies of men. People today say you can worship God any way you choose. You can worship the gods of your own making. The progressive gospel is very popular today in our culture. False gods are lies. Half-truths are lies. God's Word is tested. Do not add to His Word. His Word is sufficient. His Word is truth. Agur says don't allow me to worship you in a deceptive way and don't allow me to listen to the lies of men. His first prayer request was spiritual discernment. Isn't that a pretty good request for all of us? God, give me spiritual discernment. Don't let me stray from your truth. Don't let me listen to the lies of this world. Don't let my heart stray after other gods. Keep me from deception. Don't let this happen to you. Too many at the university, in this phase of our life, we get sidetracked as we're confronted with lies and half-truths. Lord, keep me from deception. Then the last thing, and we'll close with this. Notice, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Why? That I may not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or, if I'm poor, that I be in want and steal and profane the name of God. So basically, Agur is praying for material contentment, spiritual discernment, and material contentment. Let me ask you, have you ever prayed, Lord, don't let me be rich? <laughs> I know I haven't. Lord, most of, give us enough to get by. You know, most of us, Lord, keep me from poverty. But notice the wisdom of Agur. Lord, don't let me be rich. 
because he knows how deceptive riches can be. Jesus said the same thing. Don't be deceived. The deceptive, the deceitfulness of riches is one of the downfalls in the parable of the four seeds, the seed that got choked out. The deceptiveness of riches. A girl was simply asking for material contentment. Lord, give me what I need. Don't give me so much that I'll become proud and forget God. Now that's a great temptation for anyone. It was, we see this all in Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. God says to the children of Israel, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Folks, that's kind of the natural temptation for those who experience prosperity. Now I pray tonight that all of you are successful. I hope that you have a wonderful career. But don't ever forget God. Uh, my philosophy on money is that God, when God blesses someone, He seldom has you in mind. If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. That's what Teresa and I have tried to do for 42 years. It, whatever God gives us, we want to be a channel, not a reservoir. And the more you give, the more God gives. It's a, the, he provides seed for the sower. But the riches, riches can be deceptive. Riches can be destructive if it causes us to forget about God. This prosperity often leads to false worship. Listen to Deuteronomy 31. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my commandment. Let me tell you something about all people everywhere. Human nature. We are monumental forgetters. Monumental forgetters. Read the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. You just read the news. We, we go through your own life. How many times has God blessed you? How many times has God poured out blessings on you, but yet we worry? We get all uptight when things don't go right? What am I going to do when God has already proven in the past that He is faithful? We are monumental forgetters. But the worst thing we could ever forget would be that God is the one who brought us thus far. And that's the danger of riches. That's the danger of riches. Proverbs 23 says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone, for wealth certainly makes itself wings. Nagur says, Lord, protect me from prosperity. Unless I get rich and forget you. But he doesn't want to live in poverty either. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Don't let me be so poor that I would be tempted to steal from someone else in order to meet my needs. What's the reason for his prayers? The reason for the prayer is so that he would not profane the name of the Lord. He would not profane God's name. I don't want to do anything that would bring dishonor to the Lord. 
I want to honor Him in proper worship. I want to honor Him with my lifestyle. For the rest of my life, keep me from deception, deceptive worship, and bless me with material contentment. I don't know what you're looking for in life. I don't know what your future holds. I don't know what your goals are. But don't forget the one who has brought you thus far. Paul said in Ephesians 5, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word tonight. God, thank you for...